0: to lean in, to have ears to hear and eyes to see because what I'm about to read, they're not my words. Uh, they're God-breathed and they're living and they're active and they are able to fully equip you for every good work that God has for you to do. And so I, I want to ask you to turn to the person next to you. I think I have a slide for this, maybe, okay? Okay. I want you to say, yo, like, I'm leaning in. Are you? right? Right? Yo, I'm leaning in. Are you? Come on. Yo, come on. Come on, y'all. I'm leaning in. All right. For those who are leaning in, 3,000-year-old words right here. Woo! Everybody's happy. That's maskless people in here. Never thought we'd be so happy, right? It's like, yeah. it's good. It's good. I mean, we were good people. We followed the rules. No one ever contracted COVID at our church or in our youth ministry. And it's so good to see everybody's face this morning. Uh, it really is. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And Jesus in the upper room said this, A new command I, I give you, Love one another. As I have loved you, that, that's what made it new, right? Because now they saw the example of what it looks like, and pretty soon they'll have the power inside them to make it possible. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Paul writes in First Corinthians chapter 12, Just as a body, though one has many parts, But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the same spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Uh, Would you pray with me? And uh, a lot of times we we like to pray open palms here. It's just symbolic. You don't have to do it. But just say, hey, I'm ready to receive what God wants to bring. Heavenly Father, we humbly come into your presence. What an honor and privilege it is to open up your word, to be your people, to gather and worship you. And God, we thank you for the simple things in life, like being able to gather in this room without our mask and see each other's face, each other's smiles. Oh, how we've taken that for granted? And Father, I just pray that you'll help me to speak the message today in the way that you would have me speak it, because your word... Can change everything. And if today we're not just hearers, but doers, appliers of your word, God, it'll make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. So imagine that you're five years old, and you come up to your mom and dad, and you say, mom and dad, can I have a goldfish? Right? I, I promise to take care of it, right? And your parents are like, you're only five, but then again, taking a goldfish is pretty easy. So they tell you, okay, and they take you to PetSmart, and they pick out the fish in a bowl of some rocks, put rocks in the water, and toss the little guy in, and they tell you, hey, twice a day, you need to take a little pinch and feed your goldfish. And that lasts for about a week. <laughs> and then you forget all about it. And either your mom and dad take up the slack, or the little guy... He just doesn't make it, right? Anybody ever have a goldfish growing up? Okay. I remember having one as a kid, and and, and, uh, it sat on the dresser in the room I shared with my brother, and it had a very tragic end. Um, I, I, I was little, and the dresser seemed high, and I thought, you know what? If I pull out these dresser drawers and stand in them, I bet you I can get a good look at my goldfish. And so I pulled the drawer, stood in it, pulled the next drawer, stood in it, and it tips over, water everywhere, the bowl shatters, my little guy didn't make it, and later that day we all gathered around the porcelain bowl to say goodbye, (laughs) right? And now imagine, because it doesn't end with goldfish, you're about 10 years old, and you come up to your mom and dad and say, can I have a puppy? I promise. And what do they promise? I promise that I will take care of that puppy. That's actually, uh, that's Maylene Gentile, that's story. You know, one of my best friends. (laughs) And, and, uh, but they promise, hey, I'll take care of it. And they have no clue, do they, what that really means. They have no clue of the demands that a puppy will put on your life, right? And before too long, what usually happens is it's mom and dad who are taking care of the puppy, walking the puppy, feeding the puppy, right, doing all those things. And, and then you go off to college. And since dogs live about 1,000 years, right, it's mom and dad that are left holding the leash and taking on the responsibility. Now, now you can flush a goldfish, but you would never flush a puppy, right? <laughs> it would be hard. But it doesn't end with puppies, does it? A few years later, you come up to your parents and say, you know what, Mom and Dad, I just found the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And your parents know that you have no idea what you're getting into, what you're committing to. I mean, this is so not a puppy. But you love them, right? But listen, it's one thing to stand up front in the church and make promises to each other. I blank, take you blank, to be my husband or wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, and sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death do us part. It's one thing to make those promises. It's another to live out those promises every day. Because as awesome as a marriage is to have a good one, a lasting one, it takes work, it's difficult. It takes sacrifice. And people are like, I had no idea it would be this hard. I had no idea that things could fall apart so quickly. And then years later, you call up your mom and dad and say, guess what? You're going to be grandparents. And they're probably thinking, I I guarantee my mom and dad were thinking, I don't think Stephen should even have children. (laughs) And I'm so glad that he does not have to do this all by himself. I mean, but. How hard can it be to raise a kid, right? (laughs) And again, right, we have no idea of what we're getting into, of the commitment we're making, of the cost that we will have to pay. And let me be clear, I'm not down on marriage. I'm not down on having kids or or having a puppy or a goldfish. I'm just trying to say that oftentimes, you and I step into those things without realizing the commitment that we're making and all that's involved in it. And listen, these illustrations, I think, Help us understand what I'm ultimately talking about. And maybe some of you are connected in the dots that the greatest commitment that you and I will ever make is to give our life to Jesus. Now, understand, when you tell someone that I-, I want to surrender my life to Jesus and be baptized into his name, and, and they tell you, hey, this is the, this is the most important decision you'll ever make, they were telling the truth. I mean, a goldfish is... Until next week, do us part, right? A puppy, until we go to college, do us part. A marriage, until death, do us part. And with kids, it's the same way. But with Jesus, understand, there will never, ever be a parting, ever. Without a doubt, the greatest commitment is giving our lives to Jesus. And greater than that is this commitment to us, Amen. But do we know what we're really getting into when we surrender to Jesus? Oh, yeah, I know. I got to go to church and I got to read my Bible. But is that it? Oh, there's so much more. You know, sometimes I'm afraid that maybe some of us have actually given our lives to maybe a goldfish or to a puppy. And that's why we're doing this series called This Is. It's a series where we are hitting the reset button, reminding ourselves of who we are, what we're called to do, and reminding ourselves of the commitment that we made when we said that, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I mean, it it is a huge forever deal, a huge and forever commitment. And so we've been talking about resetting. Okay, you know what? This is what... I'm getting into. It's not a it's not a goldfish commitment, it's not a puppy commitment, it's not even a marriage commitment, it's an eternity commitment. And so we've been hit reset and, and for the last several weeks we've been you know looking at the statements on the banner behind us and hidden reset, right? Because just because they're on a banner, right, just because we're in a church building doesn't mean we're living the life that God wants us to. And you know, our, our vision is to is following Christ and life-changing community. See, we want to be about changing lives for the better, from lost to found, from objects of wrath to under God's God's grace, from broken to whole, from empty to full, from hopeless to hopeful. We're about connecting people to a life-changing relationship to Jesus. We're about connecting people to God's grace, connecting people to the power of the Holy Spirit, that will enable them to live the life they were created to live, the life they always dreamed of living. I don't know about you, but I don't think there's anything going on the planet that is more important than that. Amen? Amen. And like Jesus, we seek the lost. You know, recently we read in Matthew 13, in our reading, these words At the end of the age, Matthew 13, 49, and 50, the angels will go out and separate. Evil people from the righteous, and then throw the evil people into the blazing furnace, and that place there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? So, we say seek the lost, we're talking about people who are facing that future. We don't like to think about that, but we have to think about that, right? Because we are on a rescue mission, saving lost souls. And we make disciples, helping people look more and more like Jesus, and showing compassion. Right, you know, showing our world. You know, we get to do that every Saturday, passing out food to people. You know, uh, uh, Jimmy Stevens was sharing recently when he was passing out food, how he took it to a guy in the trailer, and the guy started weeping as he gave him the box of food. Right, so that, that that's the kind of church we want to be. And we talked about our core values. Our number one core value is we honor biblical authority. The authority for this church is not me, it's not you, it's not my opinion, your opinion, it's not our culture, it's not any political party. Our, our authority is the Word of God. We are not over the Word of God, we are under the Word of God. And if we disagree with the Word of God, it's because we are W O, no, W R O N G. <laughs> Why did I try to spell W R R, mateys? Okay, all right. I'm not well, and those who know me know If you're visiting, ask somebody. They'll tell you. And then our second core value is, is we depend on God because He's crazy big. He is mind-blowingly good, and He's absolutely trustworthy. And one of the ways we depend on God is through prayer. You know, we talked about that last week. You know, that's kind of hard to see, but I make these cards. And I, if you've done it this week, if, you know, what I did, I took praying the Lord's Prayer and merged it with the Acts of Prayer And I've been doing that this week where I write A and I write adoration and then I write out our Father who art in the heavens and then I write out a prayer of adoration. And then I write C, confession. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. And I'll tell you what, when you say that out loud and you got a grudge against somebody, it's hard to hold on to that grudge, right? And and so this sheet right here, I just encourage you to do that. If you haven't done it, right, prayer is how we show our dependence upon God. There's also something in the back of the sheet where it says what to pray for other people. You know, you know, Paul prayed for other people, you know, that they would know, that they would live, and that they would have, and it's different than we we usually pray, well, help them get better. We pray for traveling mercies, whatever that is, is that some kind of band or something? All right. And and, and, uh, but here's what Paul prayed for other people. And I'll tell you what, when you do this, I would encourage you you grab one of these and pick look at someone in this room and all this week you pray that this person would, would know, that they would know God better, that they would know the hope and spiritual riches they have, that they would know the power they have, that they would know the depth of God's love for them. You pray this out I guarantee it'll make a difference, not just in them, but in you. Uh, prayer matters and, and we haven't always, we're hitting reset because we haven't, you know, we're not living up to the banners and, and uh, we're having a, a prayer time It's going to be next Sunday night, 4.30 to 5.30, you know, and and, and, uh, it's a prayer time about prayer. (laughs) It's a prayer time about having prayer in our church because last week I had someone come up to me in the foyer. it just lit me up, and she said, so when are we having a prayer meeting? (laughs) And I said, very soon, right? And I'll tell you what, because when someone from the grassroots says, hey, we need prayer, Right, Nothing happens without prayer. And this morning we're looking at our third core value. We do life together. And the way I want to attack this is unpacking three statements. You know, know, some reasons for doing life together, some obstacles to doing life together, and some motivations for doing life together. And and, and here's the truth, right? That everything, really any Sunday, but especially these past Sundays as we've been doing this reset, that if we actually embrace and live these things out it'll make a difference right like if you actually prayed last week it made a difference if you actually decided to do your homework when I say every day encourage somebody it's made a difference in your life and it's made a difference in someone else's life see being in here is great and I'm glad you're here but it's what happens out there that matters right it's us living out those truths. So if you haven't been praying or encouraging, it's not too late. Every day, encourage somebody. Shoot out a text. Put it on their Facebook wall. There's enough negativity in our world. Let's pour in some positive things into the lives of other people. If you pray about it, he'll lead you to the right person to encourage and, and, uh, and pray. All right? Now, now, before we start unpacking these statements, I, I, I want to be clear about something that, that what doing life together is not. It's not about attendance. It's not about just being here. In fact, all all recent studies show that church attendance is on decline, right? And COVID probably helped push that maybe over the cliff a little bit. And and today we even have new categories for Christians, right? You can be a Christian and never go to church, right? You can be a Christ follower and never be involved intimately in the lives of other Christ followers. Now now imagine that I'm a football coach and you signed up to be on my team. And we're there meeting, and I'm talking, telling you, here's how we're going to do things. And I say, here's all the practices. And, and a hand goes up. Hey, coach, uh, do we have to be at all the practices? Man, That's like a really, like a really good question. He's like, coach, I sure hope being on this team isn't about attendance. A strange question, right? Because he didn't sign up to be a football individual, in, in, in the, he didn't sign up to be a football individual, he signed up to be part of a football, football team imagine you're married and your wife calls you up and says hey you're going to be home for dinner now, now when Laurie ever asks me that question I always respond the same way come on our, our marriage is about more than attendance right? No. Because she just wants well, so, hey how many pork chops do I need to cook if you're coming home I know I need to cook like five extra right? I just don't want our marriage to be about attendance. We don't want our family about attendance, right? So, even though attendance is important, it's so much more than attendance. Okay. So, reasons for doing life together. Number one, all right, and and, and, uh, we were created for community. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image and our own likeness," and. you know, being in God's likeness and image can mean so many things. It means that we have the ability to, to think and the reason and the plan and the dream and the love and the hope to create. But, but I'm convinced that at its core, being in God's image is about relationship. I mean, think about it. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have been in this perfect community for all eternity, right? And so being in this image is, is about relationships, and that's why God says in Genesis 2, verse 18, and the Lord God said to Adam, It's not good for the man to be alone. You know, I, I will make a helper for him. And when God created Adam, it, it was just Adam, right? That's all there was. And yeah, he, he had a, a beautiful garden paradise to live in, all kinds of animals to chill out with, and even got to name the animals, right? And at first, he's very creative. You know, hippopotamus, rhinoceros, armadillo, chimpanzee. And towards the end, he's getting really tired. Cow. (laughs) Dog. Ox, right? He's just, all right. Is there any more of these stupid things coming by me? And it looked like he had everything he needed, right? No health problems, no financial problems, no relational problems. He wasn't separated from God, but God still looked at him as hey, something is missing. It's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to make someone to help you, help you with thought, help you with this problem you have. What problem do you have? I have this problem of being all alone. There's a book um, written called The All Better Book. And in it, elementary school kids are asked to solve some of the world's toughest problems, like how do you get people to stop smoking? What do you do about the ozone ozone layer? Here's a question they were given. With billions of people in the world, someone should be able to figure out a system where no one is lonely. What do you suggest? And here are some of the suggestions the kids came up with. Kaylee, age eight. People should find lonely people and ask them their name and address. Then ask people who aren't lonely their name and address. When you have an even amount of each, assign lonely people, not lonely people together in the newspaper, right? She's a type A, right? Let's get it done. Um, Max, H nine, my favorite, make food that talks to you. When you eat it, for instance, it would say, how you doing? <laughs> How's your day? <laughs> uh, Matt said, we could get people a pet or a husband or a wife and take them places. Uh, Brian H. 8 said, um, sing a song, stop your feet, read a book. Sometimes I think no one loves me, so I do one of these. With billions of people in the world, someone should be able to figure out a system where no one would be lonely. John Ortberg, in his book, Everyone's Normal Till You Get to Know Them, writes the following regards to loneliness. For centuries, some of the smartest grown-ups who have ever lived have devoted themselves to this problem. The God-designed hunger for community is why Plato wrote The Republic and Augustine wrote The City of God. It's why so many of our stories are about longing to reach community from the Odyssey to the Walton's Mountain, from Camelot to Mayberry, from friends to boys in the hood. It's why we attend church, join bowling leagues, and go on blind dates. It's why the single most remembered American speech of the 20th century was a plea for all human beings one day being able to eat together at the same table of fellowship, join hands, and sing a common song. Social scientist Gene Elstein writes that Martin Luther King Jr. captured the conscience of the society because he was articulating not just his dream, but mankind's dream, God's dream. It's not good for man to be alone. And so God creates Eve, He creates a helper for Adam. Two are better than one because they have a good return. For their labor. If one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to pick them up. But pity anyone who falls. How many people do you think are falling in our world? In our community? Maybe even where we work where they're falling down and no one really knows them. And no one really cares. And they're all alone. God wants us to be part of that solution, right? Uh, we do life together because we're created for community. We're also recreated for community. God wants Christians to, to do life together. Uh, the early church did life together, and and life was hard for them. Uh, they suffered great persecution. But they were bound together in this tight-knit community. And it was this connection, this interconnection that kind of like the giant redwoods allowed them to remain standing. I've always loved this illustration. Like, that's a tree, and that's crazy, right? That's that's a redwood tree. That's like, that's a person, (laughs) And and they're like some of the tallest, biggest living things on the planet. They can be 300 feet high. They can be 2,500 years old. And you would think something that big would have roots really deep, but they don't. They actually have shallow roots, but the way it works is their roots are interconnected. And so what has happened with these redwoods, they literally are holding each other up. They need each other to Survive and so do we. Because it wasn't just hard in the first century to follow Christ, it's hard in our day, right? There's so many things coming against us as we try to live for Jesus discouragement, temptation, sin, apathy, failure, materialism, doubts, rejection, uh, the pushing and promoting of worldly values, right, that are not of God. And because there's so many obstacles, that's why God created the church. With billions of people in the world, you would think someone would come up with a system so no one would be lonely. Guess what? Someone did. It's called the church. And that someone is Jesus. Amen? It's a church. And see, if you were to ask Jesus, hey, where's the church? You know what? He wouldn't, he wouldn't point to a building or give you an address. He would say, no, but the church is is this gathering of people who love me, who follow me. He chase after me, who are trying to win the world for me, who have my spirit inside of them. That's the church doing life together. Are you trying to become who you're called to be on your own? As Dr. Phil would say, right, how's that working for you? Right? I would say not so good because that's not how God wired up the system. Check out this verse, Ephesians 2, 19 and 22. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises. I love that. Listen, it's when we're joined together that we really rise, right? We're not intended to rise alone. We're intended to rise together. I love that. Become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. We're created community, we're recreated for community. But to have it, there's some obstacles we need to overcome, right? You know, it's an uphill climb. If it was easy, if doing life together was easy, everybody would be doing it. So here's some obstacles. Now, here's one I, I call the there is so many other options obstacle, right? There is so many other option obstacle. I mean, there's so many other things, right, to occupy our lives and our time in the world today, right? Not bad things, just just like other things. Even good things can take up our time and fill up our calendar and distract us from the best thing, distract us from the eternal thing. I don't know if you ever heard of the Babylon Bee. Anybody ever heard of that? Okay, it's hilarious. You see it on Facebook. It's satire. It's not real. Sometimes people will repost it thinking it's real. It's satire, right? So th- this is not a real article, but they make it look like an article. Here, here, here you go. After 12 years of quarterly church attendance, parents are shocked by their daughter's lack of faith. And they go, Fulton, California. Local father, Travis Mickelson, 48, and his wife, Carrie, age 45, are reeling after discovering That after 12 years of steadily taking their daughter Janie to church every Sunday, they didn't have a more pressing sporting commitment, which was at least every three months she would go to church. She no longer demonstrates a strongly quarterly commitment to the faith that they raised her with now that she's college age. Trevor Mickelson was simply stunned at the revelation. "I I just don't understand. Almost every single time there was a rained out game or a break between school and club team sessions, we had Janie in church. It was at least once per quarter. And aside from that one tournament in 2011, we never missed Easter. It was obviously a priority in our family. Really? I just don't get where her spiritual apathy is coming from. I can't tell you how often we prayed the prayer Jabez on the way to the game, added Janie's mom. You know, the more I think about it, the more this illustrates how the church just keeps failing this generation, lamented Trevor, citing a recently Googled study by Barner or someone. The Mickelsons, further noted, plans to have a chat with their pastor at the church after their younger son, Robert's soccer season calms down a bit. Wow, so many options. You know what? I've seen that one played out. And listen, it doesn't have to be sports, right? It could be so many other things. Let me say this, sports is not the problem. I mean, you you could take all the sports off of your calendar or all the other activities off your calendar, and that doesn't mean you automatically are going to be fully committed and engaged with Christ and his church. You see, there's just something in us that makes it so easy for us to be distracted by other things. And there's so many other things to be distracted by. And, and then there's the personal obstacle. And, and this comes into play at least three ways. Number one, hey, I feel like I'm doing okay. And so I don't need to do life together. I, I don't need community. I'm doing good. I'm handling things well. Bringing someone into my life would just mess my life up. See, it's hard for us to see beyond ourselves. I don't need community. I'm doing good, so there's actually nothing I could gain in my life from doing community. But we fail to realize maybe there's somebody else's life who needs you and could benefit for what you could give them, right? But we just say, hey, there's, I'm doing good. Another obstacle is, you know, I don't want people to know my stuff. They'll know I'm messed up. Guess what? They already know, right? They already know you're messed up. Right? I'm messed up. Yeah, I always say I'm a messed up pastor leading a bunch of messed up people, and we're all trying to get the first prize. (laughs) Um, Number three is because you've opened up in the past and you got burned. Ever happened to you? Happened to David, Psalm 55. It's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, and close friend. What good fellowship we enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Another I call the cultural obstacle, right? We live in a culture, and it's, it's all around us, and its values are all around us, and our culture has embraced some values that, make it very difficult to live in community. These are things, our, our, our culture says, these are important things that we must hold on to. You know, our own comfort, our independence, our control, our experience, our happiness, our flexibility. And our culture rejects such things as dependence and accountability and sacrifice and submission, right? That's, and so what our culture values goes against you and I having community. There's another I call the social, social networking obstacle. Billions of people connect through social media, right? I'm going to show you the top five uh, social media um, platforms uh, listed as in which one has the most monthly unique users. And I want people over the age of 40 to answer first if they recognize what the first one is. Who knows? Over 40? Snapchat. All right. We got over 40. Good job. All right. Okay. Snapchat. Here's, and, and that has, by the way, 433 million people. What's this next one? TikTok. TikTok. 689 million people are on TikTok. It, it just started, I think, 2017. Pretty young. What about this one? Instagram. 1.16 billion people are on Instagram each month. How about this one? What's that? What's that? Two billion. Or on this one, two billion. And we know who's coming. Facebook. 2.7 billion unique user each month. Whether you like it or not, social media is not going anywhere, right? It's here to stay. Just like indoor plumbing, Right? <laughs> I mean, you could stomp your feet and say, I don't want indoor plumbing, but guess what? Indoor plumbing is not going anywhere. And the core issue with social networking, as far as doing life together, is this. Check out what Shane Hip says. Digital space has extraordinary ability to create vast superficial networks. Digital space has extraordinary ability to create vast superficial networks, but it is ill-suited for generating intimate human connection right? I mean, I, I have like a thousand Facebook friends, right? People said they wanted to be my friend. I said, yeah, I'll accept your friend request. And they never talked to me, right? They didn't show up. February, I had a birthday. You know what? You know, only 10% of my Facebook friends said happy birthday. I mean, it's not like they didn't get a notice like I get that I ignore, right? <laughs> you yeah. are there's six birthdays today. It's like, okay, I hope you have a good one, right? They're not my friends, you know, you, you may have thousands of Facebook friends and hundreds of followers on Twitter, Instagram, but when your life is falling apart, do you have someone who's able to sit across the table from you and be there with you? Promise Keepers did a survey where, where guys said they could not name six men who could be the pallbearers at their funeral. Didn't have six friends that could do that. And I think why social networking hurts us is it it gives us this little taste of connection so we actually think we're getting connection and it keeps us from pursuing the actual real thing right and and, and it and it removes from us and our minds the need to be there in person with somebody and then there is the i'm so busy obstacle like some of us could say you know what legitimately say, I don't have time to do life together with my family, <laughs> with my wife, with my kids. It seems like I'm going from one event to another event. I don't know where the time's going to come from. And there's, then there's the it's-so-complicated obstacle. See, we're not just busy and distracted. We're, we're so broken. We're, our, our needs are so many. Our relationships are so messy. And I'm just talking about myself, by the way. And so when you hear that, hey, get in the group, and you need to be open and honest and transparent, the walls automatically start coming up. And then there's a spiritual obstacle, right? You know who does not want you to do life together? You know who wants you to do life alone? Satan, right? He's a lion. And who does a lion pounce on, right? The one all by himself, right? And so... He wants you to avoid doing life together at all costs because his goal is to destroy you, and he doesn't want you to do life together. He wants you all by yourself. And, and let me hit these motivations for doing life together as we wrap up, and, and they're just going to be statements that you guys can flesh out. Ultimately, doing life together is not a matter of choice or preference. It's a matter of what matter of obedience. Jesus said you must love one another. And the Bible defines what it means to love one another. And you cannot love one another from a distance, right? We're members of the same family. We are parts of the same body, right? Like my friend right here, right? Like this is Mr. Potato Head, right? And, 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 you know, he has parts to his body. You know, like, and if I, I take off his nose, right, you know, like it's not doing him much good, right? It's not very good for his nose. It's not very good for the body because now the body can't smell, right? If I take off his hand, right? You know, we are parts of the same body, right? And and disconnected from the body, we don't work so well. And when we're disconnected from the body, the body is missing its hands. It's missing its nose, right? You know, and you always got to do this with Mr. Potato Head, right? You think I have eyes on top of my head, right? (laughs) That's what I love about Mr. Potato Head. You know, what? one more. What's up, y'all? But what good is that nose doing me, right? You know, what good are these eyes doing me if it's disconnected, right? It's not doing me any good, right? I thought Mr. Potato Head would be better than me taking the doll baby and tearing its arms off, right? That would just seem really bad. Visitors will never come back. But see, you know, the... The nose can't say, I don't need you, because we need each other, right? Uh, just because I say I don't belong to the body doesn't mean I don't belong to the body. Uh, another motivation should be that we cannot and will not live the life God created us to live and become all he wants us to be on our own. So there are certain things we need from each other to grow that we can only get from other people, right? That we can't get on our own serve one another, accept one another. We need to be known. Everybody needs to be known. Have people really know who they are. Forgive one another, admonish one another, bear one another's burdens, right? There's certain things we need in order to grow that we can't get from anyone else. And you'll never become who God wants you to be on your own. It's through other people that you get the things that you need. And finally... You know, it is the... Without the church, without other people, without community, the mission will not be accomplished. Right? As I loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, God God is not trying to save a bunch of individuals. He's trying to make a new people that will both represent him, and reflect him to this dark and broken world. Our relationship with each other. Relationships that literally break down barriers. Racial barriers, cultural barriers, gender barriers, age barriers, socioeconomic barriers, political barriers. I mean, it's amazing right? How Christ and being part of the church just breaks down every barrier. You know, if you want to experience that Saturday, go help out, pass out food. All races, all ages, all different churches, all working together to serve God. And there's no barrier. It's all us together as part of the same body. When I've gone on mission trips, whether it be Bangladesh or Brazil and other places, uh, the DR, right, you know, instantly, right? Their family instantly. Like, how does that happen? Like, I never met you. I just met you yesterday, but you feel like family. You know why? Because they are family. They are family. You see, it's the way we love one another that makes our message believable. It's what draws people in. And listen, in our hate-filled, divided world, it's what people are starving for. See, they can't find community out there. They can find it in the church. We're not in competition with the world. We'll lose that battle. Uh, they can't do battle with us because what we offer salvation in Christ and Christian community they cannot compete with. Amen. Amen. Francis Schaefer said, Christian community is the final apologetic. Alright, we're about done. i real about done. Like I'm gonna get this next thing in like two minutes. And you don't want to miss it. It's gonna be incredible. You might take a deep breath and everything. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of appropriate that we're, we're, we're talking about this today. You know, uh, doing life together. And listen, when I started this series back in the end of January, I had no idea I'd still be talking about it today. I had no idea that I'd be talking about fellowship and doing life together on the day that we're having a potluck, a cookout. And by the way, the cookout menu is a Steve menu. All right? Uh, I go on record, it's like, hey, I'm getting some burgers and dogs and some, and, and some boxes of chips and some throwing some mac and cheese in the thing. So it's, no lady was involved in this. I'm a guy, you know what, I figure you ain't going to starve, right? Even if there's nothing for you, you'll be fine, right? We all overeat anyhow. I said, get some burgers and buns and and chips and we'll be fine, right? If ladies did it, it'd be so much better. This is a Steve menu. Um, Any complaints, uh, please send them to hannah at thegrovesheville.org. All right, but another cool thing is today is Pentecost. It's the birthday of the church. Uh, The church was born 2,000 years ago today. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture as we wrap up. And you'll see this community, these 3,000 people who were baptized that day. Um, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, our core value number one, and to the fellowship, core value number three, the breaking of bread, and to prayer, core value number two. Everyone was filled with all and many wonders and signs were performed by the hands of the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Question, do you think the first century church would have turned the world upside down if they lived their lives as a bunch of individual Christians, do you think it would have? Not a chance. They did it because they were together. They did it because they were a united family. They were a united body. They were a united army for Christ. They were devoted to the fellowship. And listen, things that we're devoted to are not easy usually, Right? Uh, things that we're devoted to are difficult. Things that we're devoted to, they take work, they take effort, they take sacrifice, they take time. But they're always worth it, right? If you're devoted to getting healthy and you exercise, right, and lose weight, it's hard and difficult, but isn't it worth it? If you're devoted and work on your marriage and you have a great marriage, isn't it worth it? If you're devoted to restoring that relationship and you restore it, though, how hard it was and how humbling it was, wasn't it worth it? See, we're devoted to things. It's not easy, but it's always worth it. And and listen, my goal today is not for us to perfectly figure out how to do life together, but to be devoted to figuring out how to do life together. And listen, maybe this conversation today will, hear me, maybe it'll change how we come into this building. Maybe it'll change How early we come into this building. How long we hang out after church is over. Maybe it'll change the conversations that we have when we're in this building. Maybe it'll change how we respond to someone when they say, hey, I'd like you to be in a life group. Maybe it'll change how you see those sitting around you right now. Like, 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 maybe you're like, maybe that's someone I need to get to know. Maybe that's someone who could know me. I mean, seriously, maybe there's someone in this room right now that God knows that you really need. That God knows that that would be the friend that you need that would speak life into you in just the way you need life spoken into you, Right? And here's the deal. The good news is we have help. Because we we're messed up. And God knew that. And the good news is that when he saved us, he put an un-messer-upper inside of us. <laughs> Sometimes referred to as Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he comes to live inside of us to help us do what we couldn't do on our own. And the Holy Spirit wants us to experience community. You know, wants us to experience what it's like to do life together. So I just want to encourage you to, I'm not telling you to empty out your calendar and start all over. I'm just saying, please be devoted to figuring out what God would have you do for you to obey his command of doing life together. Amen?